This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 22, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. President Obama has been a profound disappointment in the arena of drug policy, according to Drug Policy Alliance founder Ethan Nadelman. And the only group more disappointing are Republicans. Nadelman spoke at the Cato Institute's conference ending the global war on drugs held last week. What's going on today? Well, first, Obama. Obama. You know, he wasn't so bad from a drug policy perspective in his first year. When he was running for office, he made three campaign commitments. He said he was going to get rid of those crack powder, mandatory minimum drug laws, which are so racially disproportionate unjust. He said he was going to allow federal funding for needle exchange programs, I mean, only being 25 years after almost every other civilized society had done it. And he said he was going to get the federal government not interfering in medical marijuana in the states that had made it legal. And within the first 12 months, somewhat to my surprise, Basically, he didn't lead on the needle exchange thing, but he let the Democrats in the House do it, and it happened. And then on the rolling, getting rid of the crack powder ones, they allied with us reformers, and they pushed for major reform in that area, and they did it in good faith, and they got a significant victory in terms of reducing it. Not for this 100-to-1 disparity to 1-to-1, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, but something that was more equitable, more just, more based on science. And then thirdly, on medical marijuana, his Justice Department put out a statement in mid-2009 basically saying that it should not be a priority of federal law enforcement to go after medical marijuana in the states that had made it legal if state authorities were okay with it. I was surprised. Relatively good on all three commitments, not bad at all. That last step, by the way, opened up huge running rooms. State legislatures say, oh, the feds are sending us a signal now. We can begin to legalize medical marijuana and responsibly regulate this stuff. You know, dispensaries started sprouting in Colorado and in, in Montana. States began, who had already legalized medical marijuana begin to issue responsible regulatory legislation. That happened in, for example, Colorado, which has one of the significant for-profit models of medical marijuana. So there was a real sense of forward movement. But I have to tell you, for the last two years, he has not delivered. He has not delivered, and increasingly it is impossible to tell his drug policies apart from those of his predecessors under the Bush and the Clinton administrations. On medical marijuana, which I'll get into in a minute, they rolled back, and now you see federal prosecutors running rampant around, around on, on this medical marijuana thing. You have the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms basically saying that anybody with a medical marijuana you know, ID card, a recommendation from a doctor, of which there are now between three-quarter of a million and a million legal patients around the United States, that they are not allowed to own a gun, and a licensed gun owner cannot sell to them. And most of the states which have legalized medical marijuana are gun-friendly states. I mean, Alaska, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, Vermont. Crazy. On what, as if there's any evidence that smoking marijuana for medical purposes is associated with reckless gun behavior? I mean, there's no policy thinking behind it either, and it's politically foolish. He has the IRS telling legal medical marijuana dispensaries playing by all the rules that they cannot deduct the same business expenses as others. He has federal prosecutors that are basically sending forfeiture orders to property owners who rent to medical marijuana dispensaries, you know, saying, you better stop or we're going to arrest you and take away your property. He has other federal prosecutors, U.S. attorneys, sending letters to governors and state officials saying, you better not pass that regulatory legislation because it's all illegal under federal law. He's got the U.S. attorney in San Diego saying, I want to test the First Amendment. I want to go after those newspapers that are running ads for medical marijuana. Basically, what's happening 
is that federal prosecutors and federal law enforcement are running out of control in this country today. The arrogance of prosecutors in America, the federal and the state and local level, is one of the fundamental things driving the war on drugs and the problems of overcriminalization and overincarceration in America. There's an arrogance to that power, and there is no check on them. Combine that, combine that with a drug war bureaucracy that goes back 40 years, that has become very accustomed to never being challenged or questioned. And what you have is a system that, absent strong leadership, is not going to change. In those first few months of Obama, there was that push. But at that point, now the drug czar is appointing to Vice President Biden. Biden, except for being good on crack powder reform, is essentially more or less your standard drug warrior. The drugs are Gil Kurlikowski, nice guy, former police chief of Seattle, which, you know, they do run the biggest annual marijuana hemp fest in the world with nobody getting arrested. You would think he would know better. He actually went up to Vancouver before he became drug czar as police chief and wrote a very nice report on the, uh, the safe injection sites to reduce AIDS and overdoses up there. But he gets in, he gets a lot of good press for saying we don't have a drug war anymore. In fact, all he said was the same thing that every drug czar since Lee Brown in the early years of Clinton had said, right? And quite frankly, I can't tell him apart from John Walters and Barry McCaffrey. He surrounded himself with the same people who gave the bad advice to the former administrations. He, Obama appointed as head of the DEA the same person who, who Bush had appointed, Michelle, ba not Bachman, Michelle Leanhart, I could tell, whatever. I mean, you know, who is used her discretionary authority basically to, uh, to basically say that marijuana should still be a Schedule I drug with no accepted medical value and a great potential for abuse. I mean, what a mockery. What a joke. I don't think that this is being driven by politics in the White House. And there's enough evidence out there to suggest that Obama and his top political people are not driving this. What they are doing is not a strategic strategy to try to crack down on medical marijuana or other elements of this thing. I think what's basically going on is that the federal drug or bureaucracy and prosecutors have just been let, let, let loose to run. And that what's part of our job at least for those of us who can try to influence the Obama administration, is to say, wait a second, wake up, look what people are doing in your name. And meanwhile, the kind of, you know, when the, when the Global Commission came out with that very powerful and intellectually rigorous report last June, and what do the drugs are have to say? Nothing. Nothing. Obama, in an off moment, acknowledges that marijuana legalization or legalization more broadly is a legitimate subject for debate, but nothing from his senior administration officials are mirroring that. People in the National Institute on Drug Abuse pretending that they're interested in real research or research on medical marijuana and nothing happening, blocking it across the board. So I have to say my disappointment with the Obama administration is very significant right now. I hope that as he hits the campaign trail and has to deal with people around the country who care a lot about this issue and as they wake up and see that alienating young people doesn't make sense, then maybe they'll begin to turn around and take some more control. Now, having blasted Obama, you know who's even worse? It's the Republicans. The Republicans and, quite frankly, most of the conservatives. I mean, I loved it when Milton Friedman and William Buckley were right up there. You know, I love George Schultz. He's fantastic, you know. And I got to say, there are people like Grover Norquist and David Keene and, of course, Gary Johnson, the former governor of New Mexico, and a few other brave souls around the country who are standing up. But you now have the House Judiciary Committee being run by Congressman Lamar Smith from Texas. I mean, it's like a throwback to the drug war hysteria of the late 80s and early 90s. He introduced a bill that would have resulted in two people sitting over lunch today saying, hey, we're going to Amsterdam next week, let's meet at a coffee shop and smoke a joint, being subject to violating a federal conspiracy law. 
You know, there's a new synthetic marijuana. There's a process for dealing with this stuff. They hold a hearing. Let's criminalize it, no, regardless of the consequences. The same idiocy we saw with the criminalization of the crack penalties and cocaine penalties in the 80s, the things that filled our prisons to unprecedented proportions with no consideration of public safety, health, or fiscal responsibility. There does need to be movement among conservatives, and God knows we need people stepping out. You know, to the extent that Cato, I have to say, it's what I love about Cato. Because the way Cato, you know, in Washington, D.C., where you, it's so notorious here for you guys put on intellectual blinders and you don't even know it being in the beltway, right? But to have an organization that's putting the radical arguments there for legalization and putting in the face of people in Washington, D.C., and generating those sorts of important conflicts over policy and principle among conservatives is an incredibly valuable role. I, who have, you know, have links across the board but are stronger on the left and the Democratic side, am doing everything I can. But we need the help on the side of conservatives and Republicans as well. More new leadership. Schultz is fantastic. He's wonderful. He's a hero of mine, but he's 90. Right. Paul Volcker, fantastic, a leader, but he's 83 or 4 or something, and they got a lot of energy and let him live to be 120, but still we need new people stepping out. Now, the thing that I feel most optimistic about is what's going on with marijuana. It's not just that medical marijuana has 70% support across the country. Right? It's not just that you have 16 states that have legalized medical marijuana and Washington, D.C., and others are getting closer and closer to doing so. But the transformation of public opinion on marijuana legalization? Look at that annual Gallup poll. You know, when they started asking that question, should marijuana use be legal back in 1970, I think 16% said yes, right? By, nine, by 2005, it had gone up to 36% were in favor of legalizing marijuana use. That was the highest ever. And 60% were opposed. Last month, same question, same poll, that 36% in favor had become 50% in favor. The 60% against had become 46% against. 14% jumped this way, 14% declined that way. 28-point shift in public opinion. That is more rapid than the shift around gay marriage. What's remarkable, of course, is that when you see more and more politicians, especially Democrats, coming out for gay marriage, but somehow we can't see that movement on the marijuana issue, as if this third rail still cannot be touched. You know, California, when they had that Prop 19 last year, it got 46.5% of the vote with almost no money behind it. While, you know, the two candidates for uh, Carly Fiorina and Meg, Meg Whitman spent like a gazillion dollars between the two of them, and Prop 19 to legalize marijuana vastly outpolled either two of them. I don't think we're going to see another initiative in California to legalize marijuana this year. Maybe in 2016. The smart money is saying we, California needs to get its stuff in order around medical marijuana. But look to Colorado, look to Washington State, where initiatives may be on the ballot to legalize marijuana use, and where they're increasingly drafted in sophisticated ways, trying to protect medical marijuana, trying to understand where public opinion is at. They're both going to be uphill battles. In both states, you have a little more than 50% saying they're in favor, a little more than 40% against, which is not normally enough to feel confident about victory, but they have a shot. Then you look at the demographic trends. A majority of people between the ages of 18 and 65, not 18 and 29, not 18 and 39, but 18 and 65 now support legalizing marijuana use. But only one-third of people over the age of 65 are in favor. 
you know, demographic trends, sad to say, but demographic trends, happy to say, are in our favor. You know, yes, some people as they get older will become conservative when they have kids. As we all know, it appears that an essential definition of parenthood is hypocrisy. But nonetheless, the drop-off is not going to be as great. So we're seeing, ironically, that as America globally has led the war on drugs, as we have established unprecedented records of incarceration, ones that make the rates of incarceration, especially with black men, look, look astronomical compared to apartheid South Africa or even the Soviet gulags, right? That we've promoted our policies globally in incredibly offensive and, and destructive ways that when it comes to marijuana, not the federal government, but the American people and state governments appear to, providing, to appear to be providing a form of leadership, of global leadership that is essentially transformative, not just in this country, but potentially around the world. You know, there are now more legal medical marijuana dispensaries in America than there are coffee shops in the Netherlands, right? What Obama needs to do, and this is the thing I think he can do, is to step up and say that he supports and will respect the responsible regulation of medical marijuana by state governments, and that he will encourage federal authorities to respect it as well. That's the one politically possible step he can do, and he must do. Thank you very much. Ethan Nadelman is founder and executive director of the Drug Policy Alliance. You can watch the full drug policy conference at our website, cato.org.